Welcome to Fellowship Safaris, conversations about people of color and their journeys to subspecialist training in their countries of origin and around the world. Welcome to the Fellowship Safaris podcast, where we talk about different fellowships and how different people from around the world have had to travel to seek greater information and work experience, as well as practice experience, in order to be able to be a better clinician, in order to be able to improve their skill. And I have the awesome privilege of being able to connect with my friends from Malaysia, so to Bo and Faza, I will use the names that I am very familiar with for both of them. <laughs> However, I am going to give them an opportunity to introduce themselves. I'm, my name is Bokrin Karostiko bin Borhanuddin. Yeah, it's a bit mouthful. So my specialty is uh, pediatric cardiology. When I went to uh, do my specialty in Canada, so I did my uh, specialty in echocardiography and also a bit of 3D printing. I am Fazarina Mohammed. I am an anatomic pathologist and uh, I did my fellowship in cardiovascular pathology. My subspecialty includes cardiovascular pathology. Oh, wow. Um, thank you both for telling me officially that the heart has brought you and kept you guys together because the other thing you did not mention is that you are married. Oh, yeah, both of us are married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How long have you been married for? Now it's going to be 14 years. Uh, 14 years. years. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And in your 14 years, is this the first time you're students together? Yes. Well, in terms of uh, when we did our undergrad, we mm. are one year apart and we don't even know each other, of course. But mm. yeah, as, uh, as uh, if, uh, actually, no, actually, when, when we're doing our master's, we were mm -hmm. in the same university, but we just one year. I'm a bit more senior because in terms of years. Mm -hmm. uh, but so basically, this is our second time doing um, studying, together. studying together. Yeah, yeah. And so when you guys were applying for fellowship, did you do that at the same time? Okay, uh, that's a good question. Um, you start off with me. Yeah, uh, I uh, I apply first because it's part of my training. I need to have uh, experience outside. Mm -hmm. So um, oh, yeah, I mean we I apply the applied the position exactly about nearly two years before we start, and it was so unlikely it was during COVID, so it makes everything even slower. But it's but but it's not that it's not as it's not that bad. Everything was quite smooth sailing for Faza. Maybe, maybe, maybe you should tell them. <laughs> yeah. You'd gotten training already as a cardiologist in Malaysia. Yes. Exactly. Um, and so is it a requirement of your practice to be able to get some extra training? Um, well, um, it, not to say Malaysia is mm -hmm. part of training. But it's, just, it's just for my center because my center is the sole training center in Malaysia to be qualified as a consultant. Uh, you need to be trained outside in their sub, uh, more specific specialty. You are like for me, I'm interested in imaging. So that was, that's why I did echo. 
to do my events, my sub sub specialty, so mm. that I can um, train other people. So it's different. In terms of imaging, Malaysia has got a lot of training centers as it is. Do they have specialized training centers for imaging, or is that something that you and colleagues have had to go outside and then bring the experience back to the country? We do have training center for imaging, but it's not as as detailed, I guess, as the one that I get outside. Because mm-hmm. uh, in Malaysia, we don't have that many pediatric cardiologists to begin with. When I was working outside in Canada, I mean, I only uh, uh, catered to those uh, doing echocardiography, transesophageal echo, only those imaging. Compared to where I'm working now, I have mm-hmm. to ICU, I have to cover the operating theater, I have mm-hmm. to be involved in the electrophysiology and the other stuff. So it's a bit different. I will shift to FASA. In terms of applying for your fellowship, is that something that came off just individually or was it something that as Bo was applying, you also saw was a good time for you to be able to apply for a fellowship? When he uh, selected Canada as his place for fellowship, then I applied at the same place at the same place as he did, just because um, it's a good opportunity for me as well. Uh, it so happened that when Bo got his offer and then mm-hmm. he started to apply for his work permit, and suddenly um, my supervisor contacted me personally by email and asking me if I'm still interested in pursuing. Um, the fellowship and I said yes so uh, so I applied for the work permit at the same time as Bo did as well. Oh that's so great that it was so what's the word for it serendipitous so how did it feel for you as a couple and as parents to both be accepting of this fellowship which moved moving from the home and country that you're very familiar with what was that feeling what was going through your minds? Maybe, maybe I let uh, Faza answer first. <laughs> <laughs> In, initially, it's more towards um, conveying the um, information to my to my employer because actually I've been working for an anatomic pathologist for six years at that time. So I have mm-hmm. to uh, I have to submit my leave and apply for funding, and then at the same time um, I have to think of our daughter as well, where she's going to school. How do I apply for a study permit for her does she need a study permit and um, asking around about daycares uh, mm-hmm. things like that there was a lot of prepare, preparation actually i mean to to be fair because this, this is my first time working or staying outside more than more than um, more than a week so compared to faza faza has been i mean working mean, i think before when she did uh, undergrad she did in uh, in, UK. in UK, and then mm. when she was small, she was also staying in US. So I guess uh, the, the the experience will be different for me. If things comes, things just comes, and then I, you 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 just do it. So yeah, I, but yeah. but thankfully, Faza being Faza, she will think everything for me. <laughs> yes, Faza so, sounds like she's the planner. She's the yeah, she's the, steps ahead. No. She, she she will plan the big for me it's considered small but well it's big but i think it is big but for me i yeah. plan it just complement each other so i'm I, my plan is more for in terms of housing banks mm-hmm. i mean uh traveling more of how do we get from one place to another for for me the since the uh specialty is a requirement so it's much mm-hmm. easier so i yeah. don't much of burden 
compared to Faza, Faza she has to do everything from scratch uh, when she applied. So it's totally different. So it was yeah. a kind of stressful period at the time, not for me, but for her, because I can see in her face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that it was a bit more stressful. And I'll yeah, pause with that just for a moment, Bo. When you say for Faza, it was she had to do everything from scratch. What does that mean? Because um, for me, uh, the, in terms of application for funding is much easier. I have the, uh, some initial setbacks in getting mm-hmm. funding because um, it, it was COVID time. So people didn't think that someone will actually go overseas to do a fellowship at that time when everybody is under quarantine. But thankfully, we, we got that through. I was reminded um, because uh, both that O and I uh, was applying yeah. fellowships, but we're going to different hospitals. So, mm-hmm. but we're still applying for work permits, the same work permits, the same um, immigration things. So mm-hmm. we tend to um, check and balance. Sometimes um, Bo will have to submit something and I didn't. So I will ask my fellowship coordinator, uh, am I supposed to send this and say, oh yes, you do. We forgot to tell you. What was most helpful in terms of keeping track with all these multiple applications and multiple communications? First and foremost, I mean, I would like to thank one of my clicks at the time she was in Edmonton. Mm. So she's like, she's like a mother at the time because she kept checking on me. She kept going, oh boy, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done that? Uh, so she keep on tracking everything, making sure that I've done everything. Uh, and second thing is that I have to use physician apply mm-hmm. and physician, even though uh, as difficult as it is mm-hmm. to get everything verified in physician apply, I'm so sorry, I need to stress on this. Yes. They are quite persistent in terms that, I mean, if you haven't sent anything, you keep on sending emails or you haven't sent this, you haven't sent this. So it's quite annoying, but it's helpful. Yeah. And then would be the IRCC uh, immigration webpage. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, even though it's quite complex, I would mm. say, mm. but it's quite clear what the thing that we should be sending. Yeah, mm. the other thing is that when I got my uh, package uh, from the the university that I, I went I mean, to, to the hospital that I'm supposed to do my, I did my specialty, they sent a whole nice package <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, or what should I be doing? So that kind of helps. So I guess it depends. Maybe I'm just I'm like I'm just, I'm just lucky. So what yeah. was yours, Faza? Because Bo got his offer um earlier than I did. Um, be- being the planner that I am, <laughs> when he got his package, send the package to me so that I can summarize everything <laughs> in a list in a chronological order so that. Yes. We won't be confused. Yeah, actually, yeah. actually uh, once I got it, I let Faza read, read everything. So she went through the package step by step. And then just for people who've not had the opportunity to have training in some of the institutions in Canada, once you're accepted into a program, they send you this package and they give you a timeline. They draw this Gantt chart where they give you the timeline, like this is the acceptance stage where you know you give us a response and once you get the response this is the next thing you're supposed to be doing and this so if you actually follow those steps one at a time you actually find that the timeline falls in place with what they what they shared apart from our experience the three of us because we came in during covid where 
some of that timeline was a bit skewed because of COVID affecting yes. immigration yes. or affecting some of the some of the things with our licenses, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So Faza, it sounds like for Faza and Bo, what a big strength of yours was having each other yeah. to be able to sort of like support each other as well as you know stay on track with the checklist. You mentioned having somebody external, one of the international medical graduates who was in Edmonton, who kept checking in with you. It can't be overemphasized that you need to keep checking your email. Like once you start the yeah. application process, just have an email that you know you're going to keep checking every single day because there's always an update or something that you need feedback from. Your email is your best friend almost for that period of time. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have point people or a point person in your division or in your department that was helping you with this whole process? Uh, I mean, for me, I have one. There's this one person very, very, very super helpful. Yes. Very patient in answering my questions. Yeah, I mean, yeah, actually, I forgot to, to, to mention her, actually. She helps <laughs> a lot. She helps a lot. Yeah. And for Faza, did you have somebody in your division or department that was helping or helping you keep track or answer the questions that you needed answering? So um, I had a contact person uh, in the department itself. Mm -hmm. And also from the university, the initial process, uh, actually the, the contact person in the university was very helpful uh, for me to get um, to know what I should submit to the College of Physicians and Surgeons and mm -hmm. um, what should I do for the immigration part of the application? I had a problem with my application in terms of they're not replying my email. This contact person actually tried to contact this the other side uh, to tr try to expedite uh, my problem and it got settled. So it's really helpful. I'll jump a few months ahead. First of all, just honestly, how was traveling during COVID as a family what was that experience like uh, i think when we when we just just a few weeks before we settled in in, in canada mm -hmm. it was six months or seven months down the line mm -hmm. and there was a lot of restriction there was a lot of factor that make us a bit if it become become a bit difficult for us to to accommodate everything mm -hmm. and then at time uh, even for us for us just to go to the airport we have to request uh what do you call that uh it's a we have to fill in yeah the form. We, we have to fill in the form because our distance mm. distance from our house to the to the airport is uh actually we, we have to cross states yeah so mm. it was quite a cumbersome thing to do and then the other thing also when we arrived in toronto it was such a hassle because we have to go to hotels and then for quarantine yes. and then it costs a lot of money like seriously a lot of money yeah because mm -hmm. we cannot quarantine in the apartment that we're supposed to live in we mm. initially had to quarantine three days in a hotel and then go to another another accommodation to spend the rest of the two weeks and then we can oh, go wow. to the apartment. Yes. so yeah i mean it, it was it was a such a long uh it was it was a quite a long journey yes. for us yeah. to come to at that time yeah, it sounds like it took a lot of courage and strength as a family to be able to do that. I want to jump forward to the actual fellowship. Maybe we can start with Faza. 
how was the fellowship itself? How was the learning environment and experience for you? Right. So I was doing cardiovascular pathology. It is part of anatomical pathology program in my institution. So we're basically uh, working from the get-go. So I was doing a lot of hearts. Uh, I was looking at biopsies and um, I also did some autopsies and especially looking at the heart. And um, I was also looking at uh, heart transplants and the explants. That means that uh, when the patient had a transplant, the original heart, they will send it to our lab. So my training is very, very focused on the heart. It's a very busy uh, service. Cardiovascular pathology is not something that um, every institution has. It is usually uh, university-based and specific to an institution. There's a lot of uh, workload, so uh, it's a good thing to be trained there to, and to see a lot of cases and very difficult cases as well. Oh, wow. That sounds exciting for a pathologist in the sense that there was a lot of exposure to all these different kinds of different tissues and different sort of pathologies of the heart that that you had to interact with over the period of time that you had your fellowship. How long was your fellowship, Faza? It is uh, one year, so I took 10 months in one institution and I had electives as well. Uh, I had electives to learn about the children's hearts. And also uh, I went to a forensic center uh, to learn about forensic hearts. I love the fact that it is so specific, like it's a very specific thing and they expose you to everything within this very specific subspeciality. How was the experience with your colleagues in your division? Okay, because my specialty is very different from the rest of anatomical pathology. Uh, I don't get to interact too much with my colleagues. And actually my colleagues, <laughs> Honestly, some, some of them don't really know uh, what <laughs> I do mostly because um, <laughs> so I work a lot with the residents because the residents are supposed to do autopsy rotations. And mm -hmm. so um, I will interact uh, uh, with them. They will consult me on cases for autopsy and also um, teach them on how to uh, look at the heart uh, on the microscope. There will be some residents or fellows who are attached to the department for a few weeks. So um, I will be like guiding them as well. Pathology itself uh, for my <laughs> colleagues, I, because it's a totally different subspecialty. So I don't get really to meet them unless it's like a dinner or uh, <laughs> wow, for a coffee or something like that. Yes. Yeah. It sounded like very isolated. You guys want meeting unless it was intentional for you to interact yeah maybe because we work more with the microscope <laughs> and it's a, a big workload so we don't it's really uh, when we meet each other it's a, something to celebrate about yes. yeah, yeah. Different um, from when in malaysia it's so different yes. <laughs> it's very very different from malaysia yeah pathologists uh, oh I the pathologists uh, uh -huh. in what uh, way uh, maybe because we tend to meet each other and more and Actually, because in uh, the place that I'm working now, although we have to, we, we don't really have many subspecialties, we do all cases like general um, general pathology cases, 
Um, so we see cases together, and if we're not sure, we'll uh, ask someone. Uh, otherwise, in Canada, they have very different subspecialties, many subspecialties, and mm -hmm. each subspecialties actually see their own subspecialty. They don't really see other uh, cases. Like for, for example, if it's um, a gynae pathology, they don't see other than gynae pathology. They don't see skin or they don't, they don't see lung. So it's a very mm -hmm. it's very specific. You didn't get to meet as many people as you would because of just how specialized the yeah, different yeah. training experiences and different people within the division were. There's one more question I have before I, I ask uh, Bo the same question. You said it was very, very busy. And the one thing you mentioned is that you were there with your husband, you're there with your daughter. How did how busy you are? How, how did it impact you as a parent and your ability to parent your daughter? I needed to make sure I have a daycare to send my daughter first thing in the morning because school starts at 8.30. I need to be in at work by 8. And then mm -hmm. I have to make sure that I register her for an after-school program. So she's there after, after 3.30 and she stays there until 5.30. Usually my work is quite flexible. Um, I, I'm able to pick her up um, before the day ends, but there are sp specific days where I have to stay back because the biopsies keep, uh, the urgent bi biopsies come late. Um, so mm -hmm. in that case, I have to negotiate with yeah. Bo. So Bo will pick uh, our daughter up from school, from the, uh, from the after school program. So yeah, um, we have to be a bit flexible on that side. So, mm -hmm. and I have to inform my supervisor as well about this because um, I, I tell him directly on the first day I have a daughter and um, mm -hmm. I'm sending, I will have to send her to school and pick her up. So sometimes I will have to leave a bit earlier, but I'll come back and he's okay with that. It sounds like you really had to do a lot of communicating both with your division and with Bo to make sure that this worked. And I think what was also helpful is that there's a structure in place for families, like before and after school care, to be able to support with some of those decisions. And when that doesn't work, at least there's another person, who, in this case is your, your husband, to be able to help you. Bo, what was your experience like? What was the learning? For me, it's a bit different from father's Being a clinician, like, like both of us, is different because we have more interaction uh, with live people, not 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 with the microscope. In terms of training, definitely the variety of cases is different from the center that I'm working with, because as you know, the 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 westerns uh, uh, cohorts of patients is totally different. We have a different uh, uh, cohorts of patients in terms of disease, uh, because. Um, like for example in in malaysia we have more right-sided lesion the north american have more of left-sided lesion so it's a totally different thing so i learned a lot in that sense uh even though with such a huge workload i still can go home a bit earlier than usual and then uh, in terms of opportunity of uh hands-on opportunity is just a lot and they allow you to grow that's the good thing in the center that i work with in canada they allow you to grow I think that's the most important part. And the other thing is that they allow you to discuss, to give ideas compared to Asia because it's different, um, different, uh, different culture. The other thing, which is the, 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 the non-academic thing, is that is that I work with, they have a very, they, they have a such wonderful, friendly environment, like really, really a friendly environment. 
I feel as if I was, it was such a big family. Everyone helped each other, not just not just the doctors, the even the sonographer. In Asia, we look at status. Status even if you are a doctor, you should be called doctor. If you are a nurse, you should be called nurse. And then a nurse shouldn't give that much of opinion to the doctors, and then they should be listening to doctors. But in the place that I work in Canada is totally different. Everyone is the same level. They can express their views, even though they're not doctors, which I don't mind. For example, if they call, if they, if they, if they were to call me, even, even those who are the nurses or even the uh, assistant, they, they call me by name. By not using that specific title, it mm-hmm. reduces the, the gap between us. So by doing that, most of, the, most of us, we feel at home, we feel we are being accepted and then we are not being excluded. So I think that's the best part when I work in the hostel I work with because I feel so comfortable. Yeah, and then we always go outside for activities, for hiking. As you know, in Canada, there's a lot of hiking place. And then we do a lot of music. Uh, we, we go to other, other places' house for, for, for dinner or lunch. So yeah, it's different from Faza. It's helpful to hear that. And I'm so glad you've mentioned music. You traveled with your violin. How important oh. was it to have music as part of your life during fellowship? Music plays a big role in my life because actually my real passion, I, I thought I'm going to be a musician instead of doctors <laughs> initially. So it was my second job. To be honest, I was even in, in Malaysia, Music is my second job. I play in a wedding, I play in a, a, a party or something. I get paid, yeah. But the problem now is that when I went to Canada, I was hoping that, oh, I would have a better music scene. But unfortunately, because it was during COVID, everything shut down. So yeah, I mean, for the first nine months when I was in Canada, there's not much of music scene that runs that revolved around me. Usually I just play at home, in the toilet most of the time because I don't want it to be so so. <laughs> Music gives me a lot of pleasure. It calms me down. When the COVID restrictions start to listen up a bit, uh, I start to do a bit of busking in in one of the parks and then I start to meet up people and then I start to involve in jazz, in classical music. Most of the musicians, they, they, they are come from all uh, a sort of background. They can be lawyers. They can be. Um, they can be a, a cleaner. They can be a chef or cook. They can be a waiter. So what happened is that most of my 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 music jazz group they are they are non medical. So we are able to in, be involved in not just medical stuff. I can discuss about other things, looking at their perspective, the non medical perspective. So it gives me a lot of. Uh, it, it opened my eyes a lot. The music really opens my eyes a lot, yeah. Yeah, Even- and just to clarify, when you said play mainly in the toilet, it's it's because of the setting of your apartment and to stress bust, right? Based on conversations we had. The reason why I play in the toilet because first of all is that the the echo sounds better, and second is that I don't want to disturb the neighbors. To be honest, I got this uh, impression that the the North American they are very particular about no noise, we shouldn't disturb our neighbours. But to my surprise, one of the guards, 
he always looking forward when I play my violin. Uh, the setting that we live is such that because we are facing the terrace, so mm-hmm. sometimes he would come to try to listen to the violin that I play sometimes. <laughs> How important was it to travel and explore new places in the country where you were doing your fellowship? Oh, so we did a lot of traveling back in Canada. Before COVID hit, um, we used to travel a lot too. So it was sort of ingrained in us. So although I'm sort of uh, half self-funded and half funded by my um, my, my employer and who has a scholarship. So we try to make an effort to put aside some expenses to go travel. We traveled a lot in the place that we are located in, but like every weekend, we will try to explore a new place in um, our town and explore the different types of food. Sometimes we go to a different type of um, market or farmer's market. We actually went to see the Aurora Borealis and we succeeded on our third day, I think. We saw the Aurora. And how were you able to manage finances? What was the most helpful tip to help you guys manage your cost? First of all, Faza is the one who like really the, <laughs> do the budgeting uh, to be more frugal <laughs> compared to me. But uh, there are a few, a lot of YouTubes channel and online on how to save in terms of uh, making sure we make the best I mean the, the, the best of our, the, the, the food that we have we uh, the other thing is the apps that we use right apps uh, yeah we use flip app. flip apps so we can compare we use coupons coupons really help I need to say this because we are Muslims so we um, in terms of we have to find halal food so the meat can be a bit more a tiny bit expensive but just by a tiny bit so we have to go um a bit far from where we stay and then we have to buy in bulk so by buying this in bulk it saves a lot we try to budget in the sense that we try not to use the public transport we try to walk as much as possible uh, yeah <laughs> yeah that's how we kind of save money. Yeah, uh, and then for me, as I try to cook a lot. Yeah, yeah, so that's the thing. I cook lunch um, for Bo and me and for uh, our daughter to bring to school. So, so that we don't really spend too much money on buying lunch outside. And I cook dinner as well. Of course, as an Asian, we have to have a rice, rice cooker. <laughs> and uh, we also had a slow cooker so that I can uh, cook something at home in the morning and come back and there's dinner already in the evening so yeah, but, I, but, but I think the budget that really helps us a lot actually is the because you have to look at in terms of not just the food the utilities the internet the electricity so in terms of electricity we are more frugal uh, we try not to turn on the air condition unless it's really required oh yeah we bought fans uh, we bought fans we bought a small heater that, that's how we try to keep the electricity cost un, uh, down as much as possible. So that we can have extra to travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We use that tip set for extra to travel. If you think back on your fellowship experience, what would you say was your one regret? I did not regret my decision to come to Canada. That's the first thing. But the thing that I regret is that, I mean, I think I should continue doing in there because I already got another opportunity to 
further my study there but i didn't grab that opportunity that was one of my biggest 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 regret the other the other regret that i think is that um uh, having said that we did a lot of traveling we didn't travel that really that much if compared to what we used to do i think it's just not about budgeting i think it was because of covid restriction mm. i i don't really have any regrets because my fellowship is a rare type of fellowship for pathology and i did something that is not many people want to do or able to do so i'm i'm lucky to have done this fellowship there what is your one parting shot i'm just giving a background of uh, my situation when i applied to do cardiovascular pathology I don't have any experience at all. I never had any cases and uh, I went there with a zero knowledge. I tried to read a lot of textbooks to uh, to make up for my lack of knowledge, but still it is a st- it was a steep learning curve for me, but I made it. So I think my advice for those who are not sure of what they're going to do or if they were thinking, am I able to do this? So I think you just do it. Being able to do fellowship in Canada really changed me, not as a doctor, but also as a person. I think the version of me before I went to Canada is different from the current Mm. version of me. What's the one quality that makes you say that you're a different person now? I think I'm less afraid to take uh, any chances of doing something that I'm not sure of. My takeaway is that you don't try not to think too much. I mean, you have to have objectives. And then you try to attain whatever objective you can once you are everywhere where you went. And then not to think much of the consequence. That's what I, that's my take. Because if you think too much, nothing will happen. When you start doing it, automatically you will start uh, uh, rearrange and accommodate whatever lack that you have. So... The thing that I learned the most part is actually I learned the part when I'm lacking the most, not just academically, but in terms of personality. As what Fazal said, I change a lot. Yeah, Fazal also said that I change a lot. Even my work colleague here said that I change a lot. I guess it's because of the experience and the experience give me a lot of confidence. In Canada, because it's a totally different culture for us, it just make me a better uh, not to say wiser, I hope it's wiser, but better judge. I, I first want to thank you both for giving your experience and hopefully it will help somebody who's thinking through their steps with cardiology and or pathology about the possibilities that there are out there. And I wish you both the very, very best. So thank you both so much. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, thank you Jerry, for having us. I'm so glad you stayed tuned. Please get the word out and share it with at least three people. Make this episode like a chain letter. Share it, share it, share it. Come back for the next leg of our safari where we'll be talking about... I think it was a great experience. I learned so much from being able to take that that leadership role. I am very, very grateful for that. Uh, But I would want to disclose that I wouldn't have had... I wouldn't have taken that role if I wasn't doing that role with a friend. I did that with one of my um, friends from fellowship. We were co-leaders in this role. And then 
when my friend um, finished her rotation, like her her fellowship, and I was supposed to step in, um, they, then another friend filled in her position. So I was always um, I always had my backup, and I always had a good backup. I think that that was key for me, and that is one of the greatest things of fellowship. You are able to make friendship with people that have similar interests. It takes a village to make this podcast. Strategic and creative direction was done by Josephine Karianjahe and Melissa Mbogwa. The producer of the show is Melissa Mbogwa. Tevin Sudi is the sound engineer with thanks to AQ Studios. The graphic design was done by Benjamin Boyer. And the original music was done by husband extraordinaire Mwakavi Maweo. This is an Africa Podfest production.